everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Murphy's League. I'm really excited to have this episode for you guys. This is where all the 53-man rosters are put in place. Of course, they're not set in stone. Players are still being traded. Other players are still being waived to add other guys from waivers. So there's a lot going on in the NFL right now. The season is just around the corner. If you haven't checked it out yet, go listen to my bets episode if you want to get my opinion on over-under win totals. Want to win some money with me? Head over there. Other than that, this episode, I'm going to be talking about a lot of these trades and cuts that have happened, some of the most impactful ones. I'm not going to cover every single one in this episode because honestly, a lot of these guys, you're not going to hear their name very much during the regular season. So really, it doesn't matter too much. I'm just going to be focusing on a lot of the big ones. And then I'm also going to be going over, like I said in last week's episode, some questions I have for every NFC North team. So be sure to stick around to the end to listen to all of that. And without further ado, let's get into some of these trades and cuts. So first, right off the bat, let's talk about, let's start off with the Raiders. The Raiders made some moves, um, some of the higher profile moves so far. Um, So they dropped their former first round pick of just a year ago, Alex Leatherwood. Alex Leatherwood, he didn't get the most fair shot in the NFL, but he also didn't really make the most of his opportunities when they were given to him. Um, He was playing a lot at left tackle last season and... According, you know, to a lot of people that I trust and just my given opinion, he never really should have been a tackle in the first place. He's just not really explosive enough and seems to excel more as a power player at the guard spot. Um, He's really just there were so many times where he was getting lined up against these pass rushers and they were just beating him immediately with speed around the edge, Um, which leads me to my next point. The Bears have picked him up off of waivers, and I think that's honestly a great move for him. Um, There's very little downside and a whole lot of upside. He still has three years left in his contract. It's all fully guaranteed is how it sounds like. But on a below average offensive line that will likely be running the ball a whole lot, I really don't mind this move at all, especially because he's still a very young player. He was still very successful at Alabama. He played a lot of spots along the offensive line, showed some flexibility there. I really think he can be... A pretty good guard for the Bears. Um, it just kind of depends on what we're planning on doing with Tevin Jenkins because Tevin Jenkins again is someone who I think is a little bit better at guard but can play tackle. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what this new regime does with this offensive line because there are a lot of bodies in this room that can play a ton of different positions. I expect Riley Reef and Braxton Jones to be the starting tackles and then some formation of Tevin Jenkins starting maybe Leatherwood backing him up or both of them being on the same field at at the same time and just being on different sides of the center so it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with these guys either way um he was terribly overdrafted but again still showed a lot of promise in college really surprised the raiders waived him here and in a way it's just kind of a message saying from um excuse me mcdaniels almost forgot his name josh mcdaniels the new head coach there obviously there's a brand new regime there in las vegas new gm no head coach that's not that's not a surprise we all know that already so this wasn't really their guy in the first place again it's not like he played well last year so we really don't need to hold on to him but still a really young player that didn't get the best opportunities so i really like that pickup from the bears point of view and again he was a former first round pick even if he was overdrafted probably shouldn't have been taken in the first round There's still a reason why he was a first-round pick. And again, if you're going to play him, the Bears are a team that can definitely afford to pick up a guy like this because they just need bodies in their room right now. Again, they're a below-average offensive line unit, and he can contribute to this team. 
Sticking with the Raiders for a second, they also traded Trayvon Mullen to the Cardinals. Trayvon Mullen was a guy I actually talked about in my last episode. Um, he's definitely shown a lot of promise. He was beat up a lot last year, but showed that he can play in his second year. That was in 2020. They only got back a conditional seventh round pick, which to me seems like a total steal for the Cardinals. Because again, it's not like you're paying this guy very much yet. And cornerback is a position you can always use more of, especially when you're competing against the Rams and even the Niners with their weapons. It's just a great addition in my opinion. And I really think this was an absolute steal for the Cardinals. This trade really didn't make a lot of sense from the Raiders point of view in my eyes, because I think they're going to be after some of these guys that have been waived um other corners that have been waived but again that was a serious uh position of need in my opinion for the Raiders it was a serious question mark in their roster I really think their secondary outside of Nate Hobbs is very questionable at best and now losing Trayvon Mullen and only for a conditional seventh rounder that can turn into a sixth that just doesn't seem like nearly enough for what they gave up in this player. Again, it's not like he's been healthy and on the field too much, and this is a, is a new regime. This regime didn't draft him, but he was one of their better cornerbacks when he was on the field. So I really don't like this move from the Raiders' point of view. Really like it from the Cardinals' point of view. Let's stick with the defensive backs being traded for a second. I was shocked, and I think much of the NFL world was, especially if you're a Saints fan. The Saints traded C.J. Gardner-Johnson for a future seventh and a 2023 fifth. Um, oh, sorry. They traded CJ and a future seventh and got in return a 2023, 2022. No, no, no. 2023 fifth round and a 2024 sixth round. Again, that just seems like an absolute steal from the Eagles for me. I get that they don't want to pay the guy and this is his last year on a contract. So they want to get something for him. But it really feels like they could have gotten a lot more than they got. I mean, CJ Gardner-Johnson was a great contributor for him. And at that point, if you're only getting a fifth round pick in next year draft and then a sixth round pick in the next year, I feel like it's more worth it to just hold on to that player and just let him walk the next year. Because again, getting basically nothing for CJ Gardner-Johnson, who has quietly been one of the best hybrid safety nickelbacks in this league, um, he may not put up the best numbers, but I mean, the guy gets a lot of PBUs, makes a lot of tackles. He's a really good player. He's been a really good player for the Saints, a key contributor for sure. And this was a Saints defense that obviously is loaded in talent so they can afford to lose a player or two. But I mean, why would you take away from one of your greatest strengths? I just don't really get it. The Saints had a really, really good secondary. They're still going to have a really good secondary. I mean, they still got Paulson Adebo and Marshawn Lattimore back there with Marcus Williams coming back. But I just don't really get it entirely. Um, I really think that was a steal for the Saints back in the 2019 draft. I believe he was like a third or a fourth round pick when I thought he, should, he could easily be a second. So I guess what I'm trying to say, it's a really good pickup for the Eagles. They really didn't give up a whole lot. Who knows if they'll extend him or if he'll walk. But I mean, one year of production for CJ Gardner-Johnson, who again is a very good nickel hybrid safety type for only a future seventh round pick and, or sorry, sixth round pick and a fifth. That just really doesn't seem like enough for me. So a really good move for the Eagles there and really questionable by the Saints. Again, you don't want to pay the guy, but I feel like at that point, you'd rather just have him on your roster for the year and let him walk. Up next, we got LaVisca Chenault. This is another one that has been getting a lot of talk. Talk, excuse me. LaVisca is someone who's been very, 
I would say misused in Jacksonville. Um, they have a lot of depth at receiver now, and so I get why they don't really need him on the roster anymore. They don't really have a great role for him. But I really hope the Panthers use him more in a way they saw in college um, because this dude was a monster with the hands in his ball. He was not a great separator, and he, that obviously was never his game. That's not what he was in the NFL. That's not what he was in college. But he was great after the catch, and he was great lining up in the backfield. I really hope they use him in a role where they're going to let – CMC, you know, not get as many touches out of the backfield. I think LaVisca can really pick up that role for him and hopefully keep CMC healthier throughout the year. And again, for only a sixth in 2023 and a seventh in 2024, it just seems like a really good pickup with very low risk for the Panthers. And I really think they can get something out of him that the Jacksonville Jaguars didn't. I'm not saying that LaVisca is going to be a household name overnight or anything like that, or you're going to want to absolutely pick him up on your fantasy teams, but I'm hoping they just give him a little bit more of a nuanced role rather than just throwing him in the traditional you know receiver whether it be outside or slot i really just think that wasn't his game i really think he's more of a gadget player that they need to get his the ball in his hands on bubble screens they need to give him the ball in the backfield they need to use him in jet sweeps that type of stuff and he can really find success in that role so again i really hope they use him that way because this guy showed a ton of promise at colorado and i really think that there's still something left there for the panthers to unlock and i hope they do up next, let's talk about the 49ers. Jimmy G is back. They restructured his contract. This situation is bizarre to me. From He went from sitting in, um, in the facility, not practicing with the team, but just being in team meetings and being there present, not wanting to injure himself. It really seemed like they were, you know, just trying to find a trade partner. It really sounds like no one wanted to trade for him. And instead of just cutting him and dealing with all that dead cap, um, they restructured his contract. So now he's still around as insurance, just under a much cheaper price, much more reasonable from the 49ers point of view. It's honestly a great move for the Niners. And, you know, again, clearly no one wanted him with the price that was on his head before they made that restructured contract. And they could have released him, but they would have ended up with a ton of dead caps. So they really didn't want to do that. So again, this was definitely their best move of action. To me, where I'm not really understanding it is purely from Jimmy's point of view. I don't know why he would go for this. I feel like there's a lot of leverage he has in this situation where he could have been making far more money. This is just a really team-friendly deal. So you got to give him some props there for being a team player and realizing that, you know, he's not going to get traded. He's probably not going to play football this year because he's just simply so overpaid and no one's going to want to play him. So it sounds like he just really wants to stay on this team. Um, again, it sounds like he has a great relationship with these coaches, these players, even though, you know, this whole situation has been really shady and awkward for him. It sounds like the relationship is still in really good tact. He obviously still wants to be there if he's taking this significant of a pay cut. So, from Jimmy G's point of view, it sounds like he's just being a good team player in this one. I got to give him some props there. But again, it's a really tough decision to turn down as much money as he's turning down. Because I believe he went from like $25 million a year, maybe a little bit less because I believe his contract was a little front loaded, to now it's basically going to end up being $6.5 million this year, up to $9 million depending on incentives and how much he plays and all that. So... I mean, he's still there as a great insurance backup and under a much cheaper price. So again, from the 49ers point of view, it's a really good move. Up next, some concerning news. 
Tredavious White is on the pup list. That's actually a really big deal to me. Um, I wasn't fully expecting him to be starting week one because that ACL tear he suffered last year was very late in the season. It was all the way in Thanksgiving. So not too much of a surprise here, but he is going to miss at minimum the first four weeks of the season. So that leaves Kyir Elam, their rookie cornerback, He's basically going to be thrown to the Wolves immediately, especially, you know, playing the Rams week one. That's going to be a test immediately going against arguably the best receiver in all of football. That's, you know, quite the task to be set up in, in your first start as an NFL rookie, um, especially, you know, he wasn't having the best training camp and I have a dog barking. So I'm going to pause really quick. Dad pulls out treats and they all go berserk. Anyways, talking about Kyrie Earlum. So he... As I was saying, he hasn't really having, whoa, he hasn't really been having the best camp so far. And I know he's had a pretty good preseason. He's gotten some good grades from PFF, but I mean, I really need to see a lot more than that. He's going up against a lot of ones and twos. And again, in my opinion, I think quarterback is genuinely one of the hardest positions from rookies to come out of college immediately and make an impact. That just really doesn't happen that often. Obviously, we've seen it before, but. A lot of cornerbacks tend to have a really rough rookie year, even if they're a really good prospect, and then they kind of bounce back in year two. We've seen that with guys like AJ Terrell. Obviously, the recent exception to that is Patrick Sertain, um, but in my opinion, Kyrie Elam is not nearly the prospect that Patrick Sertain was. They still have a very strong safety duo between Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, but Tredavious White is a very legitimate lockdown corner who's you know a first-team All-Pro caliber caliber player when he's healthy just two years ago he was on the first team all pro team um so that's a very very big loss for them hopefully he can come back healthy by week four and you know he's a very important player to that team it is definitely worth noting that he is on the pup list and won't be playing for at least four weeks also sticking with the bills they dropped oj howard this is very surprising to me and I'm sure a lot of other people in the NFL community. They didn't give him necessarily like this huge contract or anything, but OJ Howard is someone that previous to his injury, he showed a ton of promise. This is a big body tight end that is freakishly athletic that in my opinion, I thought his skill set was going to match with Josh Allen's very well. I thought he was going to find a spot on this roster and honestly make an impact throughout the regular season and the playoffs, but they end up cutting him. Um, I don't know if it has to do with his health or just he never really came back because I believe he tore his Achilles, which again, is just an absolutely brutal injury. That's so hard to come back from. Um, and I guess it's more surprising to me because the dead cap that comes from it, I mean, they can just keep him on the roster, right? And you know, they're gonna pay the same amount. There's a dog barking again, sorry. Um, I hope you can't hear that too well. But I mean, now they're eating over $3 million in dead cap. So it's just a little strange of a thought process to me. I really don't understand that. Um, he must have just been that bad where they're just going to eat the cap space. I believe there's even some dead cap next year from it. So it's just a really interesting decision. And it really shows that he must have just been really disappointing during camp and how he was showing these coaches. So a couple other impact players set to miss some time. Jimmy Ward and Byron Jones. Again, both really solid contributors that have both been placed on the pup list. They're set to miss at least four weeks. Um, this dog will not shut up. So they're set to at least miss at least four weeks. Um, and again, those are two impact players. Jimmy Ward, one of the best free safeties in the game. He's not as much of a ball hawk, but you know, he's got the nickname, the enforcer for a reason. And 
he is a tackling machine. Even then, he can still pick off the ball a couple of times. We've seen that. You know, I think that first Rams game, he actually had two picks. I believe one was a pick six, if I'm not mistaken. Byron Jones, again, one of the best cornerback twos in the entire league. He kind of had a down year last year before getting injured, but still really, really solid. We've seen ex great production from him in the past. So does concern me a little bit, not as concerning as the Tredavious White news, but still worth noting for sure. Another notable cut, and at least in my opinion, some of you guys might not even know who this is, Kellen Mond was cut from the Minnesota Vikings. That really surprised me. Um, it sounds like they're, they signed Nick Mullins, so it sounds like he's going to be the backup there because they also caught, cut Sean Mannion, which you know wasn't really a surprise to me. Sean Mannion had basically done nothing in his NFL career so far, but Kellen Mond just I don't know, must have not developed the way I really saw him developing. He showed a ton of promise. I believe is at Texas, was it Texas Tech or Texas A&M? I can't remember now. One of those Texas schools that wasn't UT Austin. Anyways, he showed a ton of promise in college, making lots of off platform throws. He had a really strong arm. I just thought the tools alone that he was going to be able to stay on this team and maybe be flipped at most. I really didn't think they'd be or sorry dropping him. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if another team takes a shot on him, uh, maybe a quarterback needy team, maybe someone who just wants to develop him and flip him. Um, we'll see, but I still think Kellen Mond has something there. Um, I still really like the talent of Kellen Mond, and again, I'm really surprised they dropped him. So let's finish up this episode about talking with the AFC North. Let's check in with the, or sorry, the NFC North. The NFC North, uh, I'm gonna go into questions I have about each team in the NFC North. We're gonna start it off with my Bears, who I think inarguably have the most questions out of any team in this division. They're probably gonna finish dead last in this division because I think they're the worst team on paper. So I guess think I think it has to start at receiver. Beyond Darnell Mooney, there's really no established receivers. And I've been saying this, I don't think Darnell Mooney should even be a wide receiver one. I think he's a very, very good two, but Darnell Mooney is not the guy that's gonna elevate your whole team. He's not gonna make your offense this crazy, like how do you game plan for Darnell Mooney? What are we gonna do with the, against this guy? He's no Tyree Kill, he's no, you know, he's no, he's not even AJ Brown or Mike Evans or T Higgins or any of those guys. Like I, I think, okay, maybe, maybe T Higgins is like, a good comparison as far as they're completely different receivers but i as far as how you game plan for those guys i think that again darnell mooney should just be a very very good wide receiver too i think hopefully by this time next year he will be our wide receiver too and we will have either drafted or brought in a big time free agent in the wide receiver market um either way i really think that has to be a question mark another question mark is who's going to pass rush opposite of robert quinn and on that note, can Quinn even come close to the level he hit last year? Robert Quinn had one of the best seasons of his career last year. He's one of these players that just seems to go up and down and up and down and up and down. And it's so unpredictable of what he's going to do on a year-to-year -year basis. So obviously he had an amazing year last year. Second team All-Pro. Uh, broke the Bears franchise record in sacks, which again... That's no small front. It's the fucking Chicago Bears. It's one of the oldest teams in the NFL. That is a crazy record to be beating. But we have some bodies to line up opposite him. Obviously, there's a rookie in Dominique Robinson. Uh, Muhammad, uh, 
So I, I don't remember his last name. His last name is, or sorry, I don't remember his first name, but his last name is Mohabed. He was brought in from the Colts. He's a solid player. He can, you know, provide a solid edge, um, but he's not a game wrecker by any stretch of the imagination. So that's definitely going to be a question. We're going to have to see what happens there. Um, and then I think my last question is, will this young secondary just show some leaps? Um, I mean, I guess there's two more questions. Will this, first off, will this young secondary show some leaps? Because obviously there's a lot of really young pieces there. Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon are really the two standouts because those two guys are rookies. Um, I really think Jaquan Brisker can be a stud in this league. He's been getting a lot of hype during the preseason as he deserves it because I think he's very complimentary, opposite of Eddie Jackson. He's going to be playing in the box a lot more. He's, you know, much more of the typical strong safety mold. He's, But beyond that, he's good in coverage. He's not great, but he's good in coverage. He's good at reading quarterback's eyes. He tends to be at the right spot at the right time. Very sound tackler. So I really think he can make an impact immediately. Um, Kyler Gordon has missed a ton of time in training camp. And again, cornerback is a really hard position to transition from the college level to the NFL. So we'll see how that all works out. Um, why am I forgetting? Oh man, I'm forgetting the other corner's name. That's, that's my guy. Why am I forgetting that guy's name? Um, Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson is someone who I really love coming out of college, was extremely excited when we got him from Utah. Um, he's had moments where he's looked like a really, really good cornerback in this league. He's had other moments where, you know, the, the top level receivers can really burn him. So we'll see where he is in his development. Um, again, he's still a very young player, still a lot of hope in him. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. And then, of course, one of the bigger question marks <laughs> Um, in the secondary is Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson is a safety who, again, one of these guys has been very up and down in his career. His ups have been first team all pro, best free safety in football. His downs have been one of legitimately the worst safeties in the entire sport. And it's just going to be really interesting to see where he falls this year. Um, I'm really hoping we're getting closer to 2018 Eddie Jackson and not 2020 Eddie Jackson or 2021 Eddie Jackson for that matter because it was just bad it was really really ugly at times missing way too many tackles not playing the ball nearly enough and just playing the receiver and then getting burnt for it um one of the plays that really stands out was that Bengals game that bomb on jamar chase where he just completely took his eyes off the ball played jamar and then took out his own guy um plays like that just especially from the free safety spot that is your entire job you cannot let shit like that happen so finally Again, this is a team that has a ton of fucking question marks because they're one of the worst teams in the league. Can some young players in the offensive line show improvements, particularly Braxton Jones and Tevin Jenkins? How are those guys going to look? Braxton Jones, I believe he was actually a fifth round pick, but it sounds like he's going to be starting at tackle. Um, it might be Riley Reef instead of him. It, again, we don't really know the final adjustments of what it's going to be, but if I had to guess, I think it's going to be him at one of the tackle spots, and I think it's going to be Riley Reef at left tackle um, him at right and then Tevin Jenkins at one of the guard spots wherever Le Alex Leatherwood isn't playing and then Lucas Patrick at center um, if it's not Lucas Patrick then it's probably going to be Mustafer. either way um, if these guys can show some leaps then I'm going to feel a lot more confident in the future of this line because these are you know our foundational pieces assuming Tevin Jenkins isn't traded which he hasn't been yet so I'm you know assuming that he's not going to um it's going to be really, really important to see how these guys play, how they improve. Because again, we all know, we're all realistic as Bears fans. We're not playing for this season. We are playing for the next seasons. And 
Can he show something that he belongs on this team? Can he show that he's going to be a very important part of this rebuild? Both of these guys, honestly, can they both show that they're going to be important parts of this rebuild? Up next, the Green Bay Packers. Of course, the biggest question is how this offense look without Devontae Adams. You know, losing one of, if not the best weapon in the NFL on the perimeter has to be the question here. Um, we've heard great things about Romeo Dubs. It's been fairly quiet about Christian Watson, who was the earlier of their uh, of their two rookie wide receivers they took. Um, Romeo Dubs is actually the one getting a lot more hype. He was coming out of, um, oh shit. Romeo Dubs went to Nevada. He was Carson Strong's deep threat there. So can he translate into the NFL with Aaron Rodgers deep throwing the ball? I really think he can. It's going to be interesting to see what impact he makes. Another really big question I have here is, I think a question that a lot of us have, will both of these running backs be reasonable starts on any given week in fantasy football? Because I think both of them are going to see a ton of opportunity with Devontae Adams gone. I think A.J. Dillon has potential to seriously be a very solid RB2. Aaron Jones being on the same team can still be a pretty low-end RB1 in my opinion. Um, Two, honestly, a mid-level RB1. Like I, He can still be very, very solid on, a, on any given week. And then, of course, if he ever goes down, A.J. Dillon immediately becomes an RB1. So it's going to be really interesting to see how these RBs play out in fantasy football. Um, more particularly, A.J. Dillon. Because Aaron Jones is going to be a start no matter what. You're going to be starting him every single week. He's healthy. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see if AJ or yeah, if AJ Dillon can be an RB two or a flex play on any given week. Um, finally, the final question I have about the Green Bay Packers is: Can this defense be one of, if not the best, in the league? I mean, they're stacked with talent all over the place. Obviously, Devondre Campbell just had a career year after you know being kind of a journeyman his entire career. Can he replicate that? We will see. If he can't, Quay Walker is there now next to him, who I think can be a very productive inside linebacker as well. And then they have, you know, you can keep going. Devontae Wyatt, one of the best D tackles in last year's draft. He's an absolute stud. He's now playing next to Kenny Clark, who's one of the best interior defenders in all of the NFL. Um, very, very underrated guy. Uh, can Preston Smith kind of come back into his own? Obviously, Zadarius Smith isn't there, but he missed a lot of the year last year anyways. There's still Jair Alexander. Uh, Darnell Savage is still really solid. Eric Stokes had a really quietly good rookie season for a cornerback. Can he make a leap in year two? So there's a lot of pieces to like on this defense, most definitely. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see. Can they elevate that game? Can they take that next step? And again, can they be one of, if not the best defenses in the NFL? Because on paper... If they play the way they should, I think they can have that level of defense. And can this defense, I guess secondary question of this one, can this defense elevate their team and make them a contender once more, even without Devontae Adams? Up next, the Minnesota Vikings. This is, again, a pretty similar one. It kind of writes itself. One, can they win the big games? And two, will Kirk and Jefferson hit new levels with Kevin O'Connell in this offense? I mean, it's hard to think of Justin Jefferson being even better, but can it happen once he comes into this Cooper Cup role? I guess we'll see. Um, can Kirk Cousins really rise his level of play with Kevin O'Connell in there? Again, I guess we will see. I really don't know what to think of there. Um, I think they will. Uh, if you guys know me and you guys have heard some of our record predictions, I think the Vikings are going to be significantly improved this year. I think they have a very good shot of winning the NFC North. Would I be surprised if they don't? 
No. Would I be surprised if they get third or fourth? Yes, absolutely. I think this is a very good team that has a lot of pieces to really like. And finally, can their sec young secondary pieces in terms of Andrew Booth and Lewis Seen play well? Um, it's going to be really interesting. You know, the Vikings have been a team that have spent a lot of draft capital, and I mean a lot of draft capital in their secondary over the last few years. So will this be two players that actually hit for him? Can they contribute to their team? Because again, corner is just so important in today's NFL with how much people are throwing it that it's going to be very important to see if they can show some promise in year one. They don't have to be absolute bona fide studs, but if they can just show that they were worth their picks, then it's going to be an absolute W in my opinion. Up next, and this is a, I'm going to keep this one fairly brief before I close off this episode, some questions I have about the Detroit Lions. And again, there's not too many questions here because I feel like we kind of know what the Lions are supposed to be. They're supposed to be this team that we don't expect them to contend this year. We don't even necessarily expect them to make the playoffs. But can we just see the vision this year? Can we see them making the playoffs in 2023 and beyond? Can we see them seriously giving teams trouble this year, can we see them sneaking up on some teams that, you know, maybe they shouldn't really be in this game, but the other team, you know, shot themselves a foot a couple times, caused a couple turnovers, and, you know, they're in this game until the very end. Maybe if they're not even winning those games, can they just stay competitive to show more promise in years to come? Because, again, this is a fan base that's realistic. This is a team that's realistic. Obviously, in the locker room, everyone's talking about Super Bowls. And that's just what you got to strive for in the NFL. No team is going to settle for any less. But realistically, as fans, as media members, I think we're kind of just expecting them to just show that they're moving the right way. And in my opinion, that is just the absolute most important things that the Lions have to do. So I guess a follow-up question to that is, by this time next year, will Jared Goff be on the roster? I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with him because now his contract really doesn't look that bad with how much quarterbacks are being paid. So they could keep him around. And he's not a bad NFL starting quarterback. I mean, look at his support system around him. It was not great. And towards the end of the year, he really picked it up. Once Amon Ra got hot and, you know, you've got TJ Hawkinson coming back and DeAndre Swift and Jameson Williams is going to be there at some point. They've added a couple guys like DJ Chark, who, again, not a crazy guy, but they've got some players there. And Jared Goff has shown he can be a competent NFL quarterback. I mean, shit. Yeah, that was a great team, but he took a team to the Super Bowl. So... It's going to be very interesting to see what they do with him, what his future entails. And it's obvious that those players have a lot of respect for him. So, yeah, that's going to be it for this today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to follow this podcast. Follow my Instagram at Murphy's League. It would mean a whole lot. Really looking forward to this upcoming NFL season. Be sure to stay tuned because next week is football. And I'm so fucking stoked. And I'm going to have a betting episode up for you guys, hopefully before the Thursday game against the uh, the Bills against the Rams, even though I don't know if I'd be putting any money on that game because that just might be a coin flip. I think it's in LA too, if I'm not mistaken. So either way, going to be previewing a lot of the games next week. So, so, so excited to be getting into this season. I cannot fucking wait, y'all. So without further ado, that's been it for me. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and peace out.